Hello, my name is Nick Long. I'm curator of astronomy at Sydney Observatory. This is the Sydney Observatory audio guide to the night sky in June 2008. It will tell you what to expect and what to see um, in the night sky in June. This audio guide, together with a transcript and together with a printable star map, is available from the Sydney Observatory blog, which is www sydneyobservatory.com slash blog It's good to uh, have a printed uh, star map available when you listen to this audio guide you can make do without it but it's better to have one and you can obtain a sky map directly from the Sydney Observatory blog and print and print it out or you can uh, get one from uh, the 2008 Australian Sky Guide which uh, I'll mention again at the end of this uh, audio guide. To use the star map, it's good to have a, some kind of torch to illuminate it and to, so as not to destroy adaptation to the night sky. It's best to have a, a red torch or at least have a red colour to the torch and you can easily do that with a little bit of red cellophane which you cut out and uh, put in front of the an ordinary white light torch and you can attach it with sticky tape or with a rubber band so it's very easy to do and it, it allows you to consult the, consult the map and also look up into the sky, uh, night sky without destroying ad your adaptation to the night sky also it's useful to uh, and in fact it's quite important to be familiar with the cardinal directions. And there are east is where the sun rises, west is where the sun sets, and north and south are in between. So once you've uh, got your uh, printed sky map, um, your uh, red torch, and, uh, and uh, are fully oriented in as far as directions is concerned, then uh, settle down and uh, let me tell you about what to look at in the night sky. Let's start off in the northwest, where we find uh, two planets. Find the planet Mars in uh, just a little way west of uh, west of north. And Mars is, of course, uh, reddish coloured, reddish coloured, and uh, often referred to as the red planet. And it's red because its surface is red. It's basically the dust on its surface is red because it is iron oxide and it's been uh, and basically what we're looking at is sort of a rust rust colour uh, from the dust on the surface of Mars and we can see see that in the red colour of the planet then a little way further to the right um, a little way further north um, we find the planet Saturn and it's slightly yellowish colour um, but of course it's can be seen with the unaided eye, but of course it's one of the most uh, interesting objects to look at through the night sky with its very spectacular rings. And the rings are made up of uh, many millions and millions of uh, small particles all circling around, circling around, forming little ringlets as they're circling around the planet. And they are marshaled into the, into the rings by... Uh, by some of the larger satellites of, uh, of the planet 
which forces these very small particles into the rings. And these rings are spread over a very large distance, but are in fact very, very thin, only a few kilometers across. But, uh, but they stretch over hundreds of thousands of uh, kilometers. Then if you go further towards the east, we come to the bright star Spica, the brightest star in the constellation of uh, Virgo the Maiden. And Spica can be best uh, found by using the stars of the constellation of Corvus the Crow. These form a small rectangle, a somewhat distorted rectangle, and if we extend two of the stars of this distorted rectangle downwards, we reach Spica. Spica is a fairly bright star. It's a star that uh, astronomers know is made up of two stars uh, whirling around each other every four days. Then if you look towards uh, the east, we have the welcome return of the, of the constellation of Scorpius, the Scorpion. And this is a favourite constellation of the Australian winter sky. It's one of the few constellations which actually looks a little way, a little bit, like its name. Uh, most other constellations, um, you have to use a great deal of imagina imagination to, uh, to match them with the named constellation. But with Scorpius, in a way, you can almost imagine, almost imagine uh, that it is, uh, looks like a scorpion. If you look at it lying on its side, on the on the left, towards the north, we have the claws of the scorpion. Then a little way in towards the right, we find the heart of the scorpion, a red star called Antares, a red giant star called Antares. Antares, incidentally, means the rival of Mars because uh, it has a red colour similar to the planet Mars. And it, uh, on occasions, Mars can in fact pass very close to Antares and that's a very spectacular sight when we have these two reddish objects close together in the sky. Then if you look further towards the right, towards the south, we see the tail, the tail of, uh, of the scorpion. So it is quite easy to imagine that we are looking at a scorpion when we look at the constellation of Scorpius. And that's visible in the Australian winter sky and over the next few months we'll get higher and higher in the early evening. Uh, so it will become more and more prominent in the early evening sky. Now if we face south, we find the Southern Cross is uh, very high up. It's almost as high up as it, it can go. If we think about it in terms of a clock, that it's somewhere between 11 and 12 on the dial. It's very high up in the in the sky. And to its left, towards towards the east, we find the two pointer stars, um, Alpha and Beta Centauri. And of course this is a way of, uh, of identifying that you are looking at the correct, correct group of stars or the Southern Cross. They're a very compact group of stars and they're the two pointers immediately next to them. And in this case, at the moment, the way it's oriented, towards the left. Um, there are other groups of stars nearby which do appear like the cross and they're sometimes referred to as the false cross. But the stars of the false cross are much uh, 
are much more separated and they do not have the pointer stars, pointer stars uh, nearby to really identify them. The cross can be used to identify other stars. If you take two of the topmost stars of the, of the cross and we extend them downwards towards the right, towards the west, we reach a bright star which is Canopus, the brightest star in the constellation of Carina the Keel. Canopus is an interesting star, it's the second brightest star in the, in the sky. It's about 300 light years away. And it's interesting to note the brightest star in the sky, Sirius, is about nine light years away, while the second brightest star is much further away, 300 or so light years away from us. Which means that even though Sirius is a little brighter than Canopus, but it means that Canopus has to be intrinsically a very bright star to appear so bright at such a large distance. And it is in fact a supergiant star giving off the energy of 10,000 times as much as our own sun. And its diameter, its width, is, a, a is a believed to be 100 times that of our own sun. The name Canopus is, comes from the Greek and it's believed, believed to represent the chief pilot of the fleet, um, the ancient Greek fleet coming from Troy, which called in at Egypt near the city of Alexandria and Canopus, the chief pilot of the fleet, died there in Alexandria. And from Alexandria, Canopus can just be visible just a few degrees above the horizon. So it seems that the star was named after this, uh, after this Greek hero um, who piloted the, the fleet, fleet uh, back from Troy. In that area of the sky, um, there are many interesting objects visible. In particular, we can see we can see the Magani clouds. Those of you who happen to be fortun are fortunate to be out of Sydney and out of uh, away from cities, then uh, and, and have a dark sky, you can see the two Magani clouds, which are in the area um, between the Southern Cross and Canopus. In that region below them, we find uh, the large Magellanic cloud, and then relatively near the horizon, due south, um, we find a smaller Magellanic cloud. There's another interesting object in Carina, one of the most interesting objects uh, in the night sky, and that is an is an object called Eta Carina, Eta Carinae. And that object is in a nebulosity, in a nebula, so this cloud of gas and dust, um, which is easily visible from a dark, dark spot away from uh, city lights. And in the middle of it, in the middle of this nebula, this uh, nebulosity, there is this uh, star, a reasonably bright star, called Eta Curinae. And it's a very famous star because it was once had an outburst in the 1840s. It became, due to this outburst, 
a very, very bright star in the sky. In fact, it became the second brightest star in the sky. It outshone the nearby star Canopus, and it became the second brightest star in the sky for a number of years. And it became so bright even though it is 7,500 light years away from us. So it is at this huge distance, yet it became extremely bright. But after, soon after the 1840s, it faded away. And it faded not because it became, actually the star itself became dimmer, but because as part of its outburst, it threw off a cloud of gas and dust. And this dust surrounds, surrounds the star and uh, this cocoon of dust and cuts of the light that we can see, at least the optical light. In infrared, in uh, light that we cannot see, in infrared, which is sort of heat rays, um, um, Eta Carina is one of the brightest objects in the night sky because the dust absorbs the light from the star and uh, re-radiates it as heat rays, as infrared uh, radiation. And it's just, this star is extremely massive. In recent times, astronomers have uh, found indications that it's a double star, that there are two stars circling around each other, one with a mass of something like 100 times the mass of our own sun and the other the one um, somewhat smaller, not very much smaller, 90 times the mass of our own sun. And these two stars are believed to circle around each other every five years or so. And because these stars are so massive and because they're so unstable, it is not possible that they'll eventually explode, at least one of them will explode as a supernova. So Eta Carinae Kirin, is believed to be one of the best candidates for a nearby supernova. Nearby. 7, 000, fortunately, 7,500 light years away, but even then, when if it explodes, it will be a very, very spectacular sight. And the, and the supernova, the exploding star, is, it was likely to be visible even during the day. Not just very bright at night, but even visible uh, during the day. One interesting event that will happen in, uh, in June in, Ju in June uh, 2008 is uh, that uh, on the 21st of June the Sun will reach its most northerly position for, for the year and that is of course what we refer to as midwinter because from uh, after the 21st of June days will start becoming a little bit longer um, initially by only a few seconds between difference between uh, each day will only be a few seconds, but that will become more and more as the year progresses. This has been the Guide to the Night Sky in June 2008. If you want more information, you can get it from the Sydney Observatory blog, www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog, or you can obtain the Sydney Observatory um, 2008 Australian Sky Guide and that costs only $16.95 available from Sydney Observatory um, available online from uh, the Powerhouse Museum though if purchased online there is also a postage cost and available in good bookstores around Australia as the author of the publication I can thoroughly recommend it
This is Vendergaard to the night sky in June 2008 and my name is Nick Rom.